You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast and listeners have we got a treat in store for you because today's guest is the newly crowned USCF four-star national champion. It is none other than Dan Kreitel. Dan, welcome to the show. Congratulations on an absolutely epic finish to the 2022 season. Well, thank you very much and I appreciate you having me on the show and uh, yeah, super fun weekend to say the least. We're looking forward to hearing all about Tryon because, I mean, what a way to secure your first ever international victory. Um, and you've got such a brilliant backstory as well. But let's talk about Tryon initially to start with. And I think the first thing is introduce us to Carmango, who is your ride um, and who is your partner in crime, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Carmango is a nine-year-old Westphalian uh, that we got as a four-year-old. Uh, he's owned by Kay and Steve Dixon, uh, friends and sponsors of mine uh, here in Muncie, Indiana, where we live. And um, Leslie Law uh, reached out to Kai uh, Meyer. And uh, anyway, between the two of them, they found the horse for us as a four-year-old uh, living in Germany. And uh, yeah, we imported him then. And uh, I've had the ride on him since and brought him up from his first beginner novice through uh, yeah the four-star level. And uh, he's an awesome horse, has super easygoing personality, and uh, literally gives you 100% every day. He is just such a joy of a horse to work with, and he's because he's so easy to work with, he's made him a quick learner. Um, he started out super uncoordinated in his body, and his jumping form was not is not really, um, especially when he was young, was not very good. So we had to do a lot of training there. Uh, and, um, his coordination especially was just he was an awkward young legs all over the place uh, he fell over the first couple 18 inch cross rails we took him over and I mean fell to the ground like rolled on me and I thought oh my gosh what did we get is this horse ever going to do what, what we want him to do um, but he's come a long way and it's only getting better honestly he's just been he's a big big tall horse and just kind of slow to get the muscle strength to do the sport um, where now he's just feeling like he's coming into his own and I think um, a nine-year-old doing the four long, I mean, he's a little bit young and he handled that well, but I'm really excited for the years to come um, in this sport. And uh, he gives you 110%. So uh, definitely a heart horse. Like he puts everything he has into it. And uh, I love, love the horse and the partnership we have. What was the what was the feeling going into Tryon? Because it was his first run at the four-star long level, but it was your first run at the four-star long level as well. Yes. Uh, well, we've been doing, working really hard uh, to get to this level, and uh, he's a great dressage horse, and knock on wood, he's never had a cross-country fault his entire career from beginner novice all the way up, so we usually do quite well in those two phases, so I spent the summer really focusing on our show jumping and trying to improve that phase. Um, so anyway, I was going there, I told our team that we're going here to win, that uh, I feel like the horse, I mean, we're at a good spot, and I think to win an event, I mean, everything has to fall into place and all the right moments. Uh, so it's hard hard to do, I feel like. Um, but anyway, so I knew if everything went our way that uh, we might have a shot at it. Um, so I was really excited taking him into it. The one thing I was a little worried about, uh, just because what you say, I've never done a four along and the horse hadn't. 
Uh, Sharon White's my eventing coach and it helped me with our conditioning plan. But just because I hadn't done it, one of the fear I always have is getting a horse like three quarters of the way around and then they're just like running out of gas to finish. And uh, this horse never has done that before. He's got a lot of thoroughbred blood in him and uh, has got a big heart. And anyway, um, so I just wasn't sure. That was one question I had, like to pace ourselves so that he had enough in the tank at the end. But well, he felt awesome all the way through the end. And I pushed him hard, but like by no means did I feel like I was running out of horse. So I was thrilled with his fitness. And um, even though obviously he was huffing and puffing crossing the finish line, he recovered really well and the vet was happy with him. Um, so I felt real happy about the fitness, which will give me a lot more confidence going into future four longs, um, just kind of knowing that our conditioning plan worked well for him. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was a tough day in terms of the cross-country time. I think only one person made it. That was Philip Dutton and Azure. And then you were the second fastest and you were five seconds over the time. So um, exciting to know that there's plenty in the tank there as well. Um, He was second after drafting. That uh, fast cross-country round moved you up ahead of Liz Halliday-Sharp and De Niro Z, which... I think it would be fair to say coming into the weekend would have definitely been up there on people's radars as the hot favorite. So what was the feeling like at the end of the country? Because it's a big moment to kind of enjoy the successful round, but also still plenty of work to do. Right. Yeah. Well, certainly anytime you're in the lead, I think is a lot of fun. Um, And so I was really proud of the horse. I felt that was a long, hard cross country course. And uh, I had a few, little bobbles along the way but between the horse and I he was a great partner and even when I maybe made a mistake he uh anyway kept kept between the flags and we kept on going um so anyway uh certainly made for a little more excitement of the cross-country round for me um so yeah being in the lead was is always exciting um knowing that I had to finish on the third day with the show jumping uh at first I was real relaxed about it and then uh like midday Sunday I kind of felt the pressure building I had so many encouraging messages and so many people wanting us to win this, uh, which is all great and fun. But anyway, you could just feel like the a little bit more pressure building. But uh, it was great. Once I got on the horse, I warmed up by myself and then came to the main warm up. And once I was on the horse, my head was totally in the zone with just the horse and I and kind of blocked everything out. And I was really able to focus. So I was really happy about that. I've been working on my mental game and uh, kind of being able to really focus when it when it counts. Um, and then I will say uh, we did our first four star at Kentucky uh, earlier this year, um, and we were ended up in the lead after the dressage and cross country there. He was the only horse to make time there. But anyway, so I got a little taste of this, and uh, anyway, then one wasn't able to finish and, and to win it. Uh, I think we ended up fourth uh, there. So um, anyway, it was good to have already had that experience, and anyway, know that there's more work to do. So um, he had plenty of jump on the last day, and. I feel yeah grateful that we were able to pull out the win. You turned the tables on Liz Halliday Sharp actually, who who was the the one that um, took the top spot in Kentucky with Cooley Quicksilver in, in that really competitive four star short, which was a tough four star short as well. And actually, you held her back into second place here, so you got your own back at the end of the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Liz is super nice, and uh, anyway, obviously a very good competitor, uh, all those top riders are, uh, but anyway, yeah, there's definitely another level of joy uh, that came from the win, from even being second, it's just, it was so much more fun uh, to win, so yeah, I couldn't have had any more enjoyment through that experience, really. And um, what about your your team 
supporting you? Because um, you're a family man, you've got two kids, wife. Who was there able to cheer you on and enjoy that moment with you? Yeah, um, so I do have an awesome team. Uh, starting probably with the owners of the horse, Kay and Steve Dixon. They've been great friends of mine and uh, own these horses. Uh, I guess it's literally been almost, we figured, 14 or 15 years ago when I met them as a freshman in college. And I never jumped uh, a jump before or never done any eventing and had done dressage and decided I wanted to move into this eventing sport. And uh, so she uh, and her husband have been huge supporters on that whole journey, which has been a long one and with some heartaches and challenges along the way with different horses and um, things that maybe didn't work out. And then, uh, but obviously the, the fun moments too, when it all does work out is awesome. Uh, and then, yeah, my wife, uh, she's not a horse person, um, but is totally supportive of the sport. And that says a lot because most horse people don't really understand this sport and how it can take so much time and money and effort and time away on the road. Uh, so to have her support is huge. And, uh initially that we had a few more bumps along the way but now i've got a good rhythm and uh yeah that works out really well with us and two awesome kids a little one-year-old girl magnolia and our five-year-old boy uh ollie uh who was motivating me he told me before i went to this i told him i was going to a big show that if i knock down zero rails that he'll have a very special prize for me but if i knock down just one you get nothing <laughs> um, his, his inspiration to me which i thought was funny like reverse um, bribery as a parent we're always sort of saying <laughs> to our children if you do this i'll do this for you <laughs> the tables have been turned down and ollie has <laughs> figured out yeah yeah i thought that was pretty funny to hear from him um but then uh two uh groom and friends uh liz carter uh helps groom um and we've been doing this for the last couple of years but uh, she is a huge anchor at home and was a lot behind the scenes, but uh, certainly now I couldn't do the sport with our business that we run and trying to be at home with the family. Um, so anyway, she's a huge asset. And then my friend Julie Miller is the one that introduced me to the sport of three-day eventing, and she grooms more at the shows um, and is a huge help there and a very hard worker and takes it very serious. Um, but anyway, uh, so actually this show is just uh julie and i were there uh, she was grooming and um some of the people that we ride with uh from sharon white's uh, barn were there woods and leah um, but then uh, my sister and brother-in-law drove in uh, for the show jumping on the last day uh, and even though we didn't have a lot of family at that event um they they all did come to kentucky and that was a lot of fun having them there but uh anyway they was certainly getting tons of messages and a lot of support um from home uh even while we were away at the show it's amazing everybody pulls together and i i know you are such a popular winner um am i right in saying that Alyssa has been unwell over the last couple of years as well yeah i think it was two years ago yeah she was perfectly healthy and was pregnant with our second child and went in for one of these uh, baby ultrasounds and they found, uh, well, and what they thought was an assist on the ovary that they were going to remove. And one thing led to another, they found that she had this very rare uh, stage four cancer, appendix cancer. Um, and because it's so rare, it was really uh, hard to get accurate information on this. And initially they said there was no way our baby would survive. And anyway, it didn't look good for Alyssa. Uh, so obviously it was totally devastating and I mean, horrible news and just shocking because she had been healthy and this was not on our radars at all. Um, so yeah, the last two years have been uh, a struggle and Alyssa's undergone multiple surgeries, but two very extensive, like 11 hour surgeries to remove cancer from her abdomen. And uh, 
So that's why she wasn't at that show. It just it wasn't even a month prior to the show that she had a second major surgery in Pittsburgh with a specialist, and um, which went much better than the surgery she had the year before. And um, I feel like the doctor feels more optimistic now about her case than he has all along. And even though it's very likely that the cancer would return, I mean, just based on what they've seen in the past, but uh, they have a lot more optimism, I feel like. So we're really grateful for that. And um, said a lot of prayers and thankful for, to God giving us the strength to get through what would be really challenging times. Um, but also our family and support team has been awesome. And everyone inventing it takes the village to get it done. But in our case, <laughs> our village has gotten quite big because, yeah, for me to be gone when Alyssa needs help with her health and then our children and then keeping the business going at home, our real estate business. Uh, anyway, it definitely takes all hands on deck, but we've got an awesome family and a team of good friends that help make it all happen for us. Um, so we're really thankful for that. It really does take a village. And actually, I think the the resilience um, that, that you guys have all shown over the last few years, I think it puts it into perspective, doesn't it? And actually, you know, sometimes eventing and results and when things don't quite go to plan, can become quite all-consuming but actually when you have that sort of dose of reality and the bigger picture um it really does prove a, a great level up. and hopefully Dan I really really do hope you all that the the tide has turned in the second half of this year and, and fingers crossed there's plenty of better times on the horizon and um, talk to me about your business because the eventing is very much secondary to a real estate company yeah, so uh, I started the Campus Edge when I was uh, a freshman at Ball State University here in Muncie, Indiana, and basically uh, started out with just buying one house that I fixed up and leased to college students, and I actually lived there myself and just rented it to my friends, and then grew that business, and the girl I was dating at the time is now my wife, Alyssa, but she and her friends were looking for a house, and I said, hey, there's a foreclosure in our neighborhood. If I buy this and fix it up, would you guys rent it from me while you were in college? Uh, so they, we did that. And then one thing led to another. So yeah, um, we just continued to buy houses and apartments and most all of them are within walking distance of Ball State University. Um, and so that's kind of our business model. We buy rehab properties and then hold them as long-term rentals. Um, and so, yeah, now we have over 600 residents that lease from us um, and we've got a good maintenance staff and property manager and leasing agent. So um, I was an entrepreneurship major at Ball State and my, I always thought I wanted to own a business. I didn't know it would be college student housing, but uh, it's been a good business for us. And I, this wasn't the plan actually in starting it, but it complements our horse uh, sport quite well because all of our leases pretty much start in August when the school year starts. And as long as we get all of our properties leased up, which we always do, um, then our income is the same 12 months of the year um, because anyway, all those leases are 12 month leases. So anyway, it makes it kind of nice that I have to be home for certain busy seasons, but apart from that, it allows me to travel and uh i definitely over the years we've found some really good employees which is not always easy um and but anyway ones i really trust and hard workers to uh totally make this possible because i'm away from the business quite often and uh they run the day-to-day -day operation really well so um it's been a constant uh effort to i mean kind of tweaking the business and going through different seasons of growing pains but actually it's gotten a little bit easier as we've grown Versus in the early days, I did everything 100% myself, and that was really hard to be away at all. So um, actually, it's, as the business has grown, it's allowed me to have more employees to where then we can delegate more work and be on the road a little bit more. 
it's the real kind of work life juggle and and actually i think you know we um the, the anybody that can hold down job business as well as uh, compete at a very high level uh, i think is just extraordinary because there's so much that goes into it and um, where did your love of horses come from because i'm right in saying that you're the ninth of 10 children so you've got lots yeah. of brothers and sisters <laughs> yes yeah i am the ninth of 10 and uh my mom had a horse when she was a kid and was kind of a casual horse lover. But anyway, by the time I came along, uh, I didn't have horses and uh, none of my other siblings were really into it. And my parents, I think, kind of assumed I would just grow out of this phase because as a young child, I was just obsessed with horses. Um, and even though I really hadn't been around them, um, but my consistent persistence and wanting and dissatisfaction that I couldn't have a horse. Um, led to my mom taking me door to door to a couple horse farms where we lived uh, nearby, the farms nearby us where we lived in Indianapolis when I was growing up in a neighborhood. And uh, there was this dumpy, curly horse breeding farm. And the lady there said, um, oh, I was pitching or my suggestion was that I'd clean her stalls in exchange if I could ride some of her horses. And she said I'd have to learn dressage, but if I, she needed the help there. And anyway, I think I was 12 years old. So that's when I got into horses. And um, yeah, she said I have to learn dressage. I'd never even heard of it. But honestly, I didn't care. I was, it was like anything with a horse will do. Um, so at first, I, I wasn't that excited when I saw what dressage was. I thought this is only for girls. And um, I don't know about this. But anyway, like I said, I was desperate to be with horses. So uh, that's how I got my start um, with curly horses and then uh, into dressage. And then went on when I graduated high school, I was a working student at a dressage farm for Grant Schneidman in Colorado where I worked for like a year and a half and um, did Young Riders when I was, um, or finished working for Grant. Uh, so that was fun. That was kind of my first taste of a bigger competition. Um, and then it was after Young Riders that I kind of saw a three-day eventing and thought that looked a little more exciting and decided to switch to eventing when I was 21, I think. That's amazing. So, am I right that actually the original dream was rodeo? Uh, a rodeo led to dressage. <laughs> yes, that that is correct. Yes, I always thought I would want to yeah be some kind of rodeo cowboy um, and watch all sorts of cowboys and Indians movies growing up, and just um, yeah, that, thought that would be awesome. Um, yeah, dressage was not on my radar at all, um, but so it goes. I mean, uh, I ended up doing that for several years, and now I'm thankful for that background in dressage uh, as it helped me a lot with the eventing sport. Certainly, I wish I had jumped at a younger age because that's where I've been, I mean, having to work a lot on my show jumping throughout the years to kind of catch up in that phase. Um, but through some recent good help, I feel like we're moving in a good direction. Uh, so anyway, I'm really grateful for that. And who's been the biggest influences in your eventing career? Did you say you, you train a lot with Sharon White? Yes. Yeah. Um, so actually, Lee and Zoe was my first instructor. Uh, when I took Sparty, my curly stallion, he, we bred him when I worked at that breeding farm, and he was my first horse. Um, so I trained him from, well, I got him as a newborn, but anyway, I trained him. And uh, I was a poor college student at the time, and I thought, well, I know how, how to ride dressage, but and jumping can't be that hard. I'd never done it. But anyway, quickly I learned, to, I trained the horse, to, I'd point him at a jump, and he'd cr find a way to the other side. So I thought, all right, we're ready to compete. And I think it was our first uh, three-day event, or whatever, just a beginner novice horse trial. 
I had a 20-point lead after the dressage and cross-country and thought, I mean, there's no way I won't win this thing. And then I knocked down seven of the nine rails, and I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we have a problem. Uh, so that was the beginning of a, uh, my struggles with show jumping. But um, it was after that rough start that then Lee and Zoe became my first uh, instructor, and she coached me. She's a local trainer here in Indiana, and she coached me up through intermediate. And then from there, uh, Leslie Law helped me quite a bit. Uh, I met him through clinics at Leanne's farm, and she also, Leanne, would have Sharon White in for clinics. So I've been taking lessons with Sharon through clinics, um, I don't know, probably for over a decade. Um, But then probably more seriously in the last three to four years have been working a lot with her and spending the winters uh, when we are able to anyway uh, in Ocala training with her. So I've learned a lot, yeah, in the recent years from Sharon. And then with Alyssa's health issues, and there was periods where I couldn't ride or when she was having these surgeries where I was in the hospital with her, uh, Sharon kept the horses going and, I mean, obviously did a great job with them. And um, so anyway, yeah, Sharon's been a huge help. And then on the dressage front, in Indiana, I've had the same dressage instructor, um, I think, for over 12 years. Her name is Bonham McQuiston, and she comes every Tuesday afternoon and uh, teaches lessons um, to our small group. And basically, it's Kay, the owner, and myself, and then Liz is, uh, takes lessons as well. So anyway, she's been a huge uh, anchor on the dressage front through my whole riding career. And then uh, Richard Reinhardt is also out of Indiana. He's a show jumper, and he's been uh, helping me off and on over the years, but then a lot more in the last uh, probably year or two. Uh, he's been real helpful, and I'm excited. This winter, I'm going to be like really focusing a lot on my show jumping and going to be at the WEC. Uh, anyway, really trying to master this uh, show jumping phase. So, But yeah, I've had a lot of good help. The pesky colored poles. I mean, they certainly um, held up for you in in Tryon. Um, what about next year? Because one of your prizes is actually a flight grant that has been provided by the Duta Corporation. Um, it, it's known that the, the winner of the four star long, the national championships, gets that opportunity to go abroad. Have you got a bucket list event that you would really like to target next year? Or is that the next thing to think about? Well, uh, that has always been a dream to compete in Europe, but honestly, I didn't think it would probably be a dream that ever would happen. So I have to say that winning this event, not only is it just pure winning if I got no prize, would be super fun, but to get that international flight was like, oh my goodness, I am so, so excited about this opportunity. Um, Yeah, and what I can learn through this experience. So long story short, I hadn't really thought hard about it or considered it because until we won, I wasn't sure that was ever going to happen, uh, that opportunity. So um, that being said, I'm not 100% sure, but right now we're talking about doing the four-star long at Bramham uh, in June of next year, um, which I think would be a fun event. Um, and then one that's always been a dream is Aachen, and that's what I was at first. I thought the opportunity to go do a four-short at Aachen would just be the best. I didn't realize at the time, though, that's a team event, and uh, so I had to make the U.S. team to be able to do that. So uh, I think I'm going to apply, but I'm not sure that that I would make the team. So um, anyway, I think we'll give a swing at that, but uh, probably more likely end up doing uh, this four-star long over there. 
Well, watch this space because you never know. You are the, yeah. the four-star national champion. I mean, <laughs> you beat some very good horses in Tryon. So yeah. um, don't do yourself a disservice. Watch this space. We could well see you in Arkin. We would love to see you on British soil. I have to admit, from a purely selfish perspective, would love to see you on British soil. And Bramham would not be a disappointment. I'm absolutely sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just so excited for the opportunity and uh, I've never been to Europe at all. So anyway, to be able to be over there and have the horse and then, uh, yeah, the learning experience and to see the events there, I would, I'm super excited about that. Well, watch this space going into 2023. Uh, what about the other horses in your yard? How many have you gotten? How, who should we look out for in the future? Yeah. Um, so we had three horses that kind of that I was training all simultaneously that all moved up to advance at the same horse trial together uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, so we have Fritz or Carmango, uh, that's the Westphalian I was riding over the weekend. But then uh, uh, Heralis uh, or Atticus, we call him, he's our uh, chestnut tracaner, beautiful horse. And then Easy Cruise Lad is our Irish sport horse. And uh, very different build. He's much heavier and can jump a house, uh, but the speed uh, and the shorter legs probably make it a little harder at the top level. Um, but anyway, unfortunately, through minor injuries that they had, even though they've stayed down through it, uh, I don't think they'll return to the top level of competition. So um, I think one easy will probably end up selling. And Atticus, I think, will be playing with the dressage and show jumping for a while. Um, but ultimately, he won't probably compete at the high level of eventing. Uh, so I'm enjoying riding them. And then we recently just got a new four-year-old, a gray mare, a Swedish warm blood. And uh, she's really talented and impressive. And I really like her so far. Uh, so I'm really excited about her. Of course, she's only four. So it's a long road of training ahead. But uh, I think she'll be a top horse. And then uh, ultimately, yeah, we're looking, keeping an eye out for a couple other uh, promising young horses for me to train and get to the top level as well. Well, what this space and Carmango only a nine-year-old this year, so lots of uh, lots to look forward to in the future as well. We hope with him. Um, Dan, thank you so much for sharing your try and story with us. Uh, just the most incredible weekend, an incredible victory. You have such an interesting story, and we'll be wishing you all the very, very best going into twenty twenty-three, and, and thinking of you all. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on this, and yeah, I really appreciate the whole experience. It's been great. Our absolute pleasure. I'll see you for a drink at Bramham next year. All right. Sounds wonderful. There we go. We'll see you at Bramham. Uh, Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, we will be back very shortly on the USA official podcast. The next show is actually going to be a review of 2022. The whole team will be back together looking back on 2022 and what a season it has been. So do join us for that. Uh, For now, though, that is all we've got time for. We'll be back very soon with more. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.